Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. You watch it on YouTube, like button, subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated whenever you tune in. And also check out on Empire uh, the uh, college football preview show Between the Hashes by my son Matthew. Gives really good information to set you up for the college, big college games every weekend. That's Between the Hashes, already up right now. Check it out. Also, with the start of the hockey season, you have the All's Cap podcast by Steve Wino, AP hockey writer and former Washington Capitol, Carl Alsner. Gets you, it gives you really good insight into the hockey season as well as the Capitals. Today, I'll be joined by ESPN Green Bay Packers reporter Rob Domofsky. Yes, the commanders have issues. So do the Packers. Now, I'm not going to compare the issues. One team's had a long run of success as one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Another team has had neither for a long time. But the Packers do have some issues, offensive line, receiver, and the defense run by your old pal, Joe Barry. It's a struggling team up there. They've lost two in a row. This is a highly winnable game for Washington. Will they do it? Well, I don't know. I'll talk about that on Friday in my Prediction and Keys podcast. But I do know it's a winnable game, and Rob will fill you in on what's going wrong with the Packers so there you go. But before we get there, I wanted to go over a couple of things, starting with what happened Tuesday in New York when then when Indianapolis owner Jim Ursay said that there is merit to ousting Washington owner Dan Snyder. Highly, highly unusual statement for an owner to make about another owner. I just think it shows where a lot of owners are getting to in their frustration with the situation. A year ago, what you heard mostly was, don't want to set a bad precedent. Don't want to set a bad precedent. I think that that sentiment has clearly shifted with a lot of owners. If you just as a refresher course, go back and read the story on ESPN.com last week by Seth Wickersham, Don Van Nata Jr., and Tisha Thompson. And then you'll understand where a lot of owners are at. Ursay just came out publicly and stated where he was at. Now, Roger Goodell did come out and say he doesn't want anything more to be said until the investigation by Mary Jo White is complete. And they have all the information. That's obviously very important until you have all the information to withhold some stuff. But there is a growing sentiment based on what, what ESPN has heard, what others have heard. And then Ursay coming out and saying that you that that's that's certainly a change and it's certainly worth watching where this goes next. Now the Snyders and the team did put out a statement and it says in part that they called it highly impro- inappropriate. But not surprising what Ursay said. They also said when they see the actual evidence in this case, Mr. Ursay will conclude there is no reason for the Snyders to consider selling the franchise, and they won't. So there you go. But again, all we know is highly unusual for Ursay to come out and say that, and it's definitely worth paying attention to. Um, again, last year at this time, 
setting a bad precedent this year. This time, there's more of a momentum toward at least considering other options in Washington as far as what where this could go. I also would suggest going back and listening to Seth Wickersham, the podcast I did with him on Friday over the weekend, and he gives really good insight to set you up for the owners' meetings earlier this week. But I also think it's good information for you to know, and it'll explain more of what what went into the Ursay comments and and maybe what all that means. And I just I think it's hard. I think when you you see that story, then you also hear Al Michaels on Thursday Night Football saying something about how you know perhaps it's been best for Snyder's sell. And then you have the Ursay comments. It just feels like this has been a little bit different. It's a perilous time for Snyder and his ownership. But again, we need to wait and see. As a reporter, I wait and see until all the facts are in. You get the Mary Jo White investigation done and then go from there. All right, now let's get down the field and let's get to some injury updates. Receiver Jahan Dotson was limited in practice on Wednesday, but he's taken some steps to getting back on the field. There's some optimism for him on Sunday, but again, step-by-step, day-by-day. Tight end Logan Thomas, still dealing with the calf injury, was worked out on the side field, so did not participate in any practice. John Bates was on the side field as well. He has a hamstring injury, so the tight ends still remain a banged-up group. Um, And then also with some Carson Wentz remains out in L.A., rehabbing that index that right the excuse me the right ring finger um and until we know i think it'll probably be about friday when they have a better idea of what's going to happen with him chase young we're still waiting for some updates on him what dr andrews told him as to whether or not he would begin practicing next week if all goes well with that visit with andrews then he would practice next week but need to know more fill you in on the next podcast which come out friday my keys and predictions so there you go I also wanted to address one more thing before I get to my conversation with Rob, and that's with quarterback Sam Howell. I know there's a sentiment by some, not not many, but by some, to see what do they have in Sam Howell. Well, first of all, coaches always know what they have. There's sometimes there's some surprise, but they know what a, they know what a player has to work on with his footwork in the classroom, et cetera. So they're not, you know, they don't need to see just because fans or media need to see doesn't mean they need to see. And so, but some of the stuff with Howell. Goes Ben, you saw if you if you watched his interview that he did on Tuesday with the media, and it's up on Empire Media. If you want to go watch it, it's a little more than two minutes, but it's worth your time just to see. Kind of explain some of what he's look, working on. That's footwork, um, and it's different from what he had in college. Part of the thing was, and this is I've heard I heard this in the summer, and I've heard this during the season that he is still working on this footwork, and a lot of it is marrying the footwork to the route. He this is completely different for him than it was in North Carolina. So it's not just a well, so and so with another team did it. So why can't he? He can do it too. There are different circumstances. The, and he and Holly even said that what he's asked to do here in terms of the footwork is very different from North Carolina. Some people may go to a system where the this where there's the footwork is more similar. For example, in Carolina, they didn't have any five-step drops out of the gun. They have that here. Then what you're doing too is some teams like um, and you, you've heard Logan Paulson talk about this on, on his podcast, Take Command, where like Kyle Shanahan, that, that system is going to be different than this one is as far as the footwork goes and the hitches they build in within, a, within the flow of, of, of a route. And this one, Powell explained to a couple of us later that there are sometimes like it's this a particular route might be five step, five step drop and one hitch. But another route might be five step drops and two hitches. So you've got to get that timing down before you're ready to play. Those are the things that he's still working on. He is not, from what I, my understanding is, he's not there yet. 
and the coaches definitely consider there being a gap between Heineke and Howell. So you're not going to the other guy. And I'm, I'm honestly going to be tired of talking about this because it's not an option. And it's, so it's it's really not, not at this point at two and four, it's not a worthy discussion because they're not having this discussion because they feel there is a gap. But I am letting you know where Howell is at with things. They're, they seem to be happy with his progress, but they certainly aren't ready to put him in at a point in a, at a point in the season where they still have an opportunity if if things get turned around to make some noise. You can laugh at that if you want. For them, though, it's about job survival and it's about feeling like they still have a chance. If you've ever played sports, if your team is two and four, you look at the other teams and say, "Hey, if you can play better, you can get there." Again, you can laugh at it all you want. You can say they they stink, they have no chance, but they don't think the same way you do. So just keep that in mind when you're trying to say that what they should do. It's not about what you or I think they should do to, you know, whatever or how they how we view it. It's how they view it. And they don't view it the same way. That's why they're going to tell Heineke. Again, it's not even a discussion that I want to have anymore because it's not one that that's legitimate at this point. But I did want to fill you in on what are some of the things that Howell has to get used to before he gets on the field. And I think if you really want to see the kids succeed, you should want him to have that down to give him the best chance to succeed. I do think he could go out there and probably make some plays because he has the ability to run around. He has a good arm. I think there's some good qualities to build on, but I think to survive, you're going to have to get the other parts down as well to flourish, to have a good chance. So there you go. Just wanted to give you a little bit about that. And, oh, I did want to tell, I did tell you, I was going to look into some of the things on, on, you know, hot routes and all that and adjustments. And there, I think that's, I was told by one person, it's a discussion they're still having to build that in, but they need to make, they need to have this happen because they're getting killed by these zero cover zero blitzes. um, And you need to have answers. And right now they don't, but it's something I'm going to keep asking other people about because I think it's a big deal because it's hurting them at this point. You need to start providing answers for the quarterback and for the receivers. So there you go. I'll be back just before I get to my conversation with Rob. A reminder, I'll be back on Friday with my keys and predictions to the game. But first, let's fill you in in on the Green Bay Packers with my ESPN colleague in Green Bay, Rob Domofsky. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Your kicker is lining up for an onside kick, and the chances of regaining possession are slim. Stakes are high. Tension is higher. Your pulse racing. He kicks, and you watch the ball land. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers 
can make any $5 NFL bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code KIME, K-E-I-M, to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code KIME. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Rob, I'm used to talking about this team in a state of disarray or whatever. Why are they struggling? This is a little bit new for the Packers, especially under Matt LaFleur. So in general, what's been going wrong these last couple weeks for the Packers? You know, John, the easy answer is, well, they don't have Devontae Adams. But it goes so much deeper than that in the sense of their offensive line just is completely out of sorts, right? Everybody thought, okay, they're going to get David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins back. Whether it's the new position or coming off the ACL, he just hasn't been the same. For a while, Bakhtiari uh, wasn't able to play a full game. You know, he was alternating series. So you got those issues up front. They, the Jets completely exposed stunts. I mean, it's, it was like the Packers had never seen a twist or a stunt before. It was it was incredible. Um, they don't have a consistent leading receiver. Six games, six different guys have led them in receiving. And because the passing game has absolutely no deep threat, their two best players are probably Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, running backs. They can't get them going. So – and that's just on the offensive side of the ball, John. Like, that's just the starting point. Well, with, sticking with that, because they obviously could and should run the ball better than they have been, but it really yeah. seems to be about number of carries versus effectiveness. Yeah. Is it just because teams are kind of stacking the box on them? Yeah, offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich had an interesting comment last week, you know, when we were like, well, why, didn't you, why not just run the ball more? And he goes, look, we're not going to just run the ball into eight-man boxes. He goes, bad offenses do that. Bad offenses are stubborn. Good offenses don't do that. Well, he's probably right, but right now they're a bad offense doing it the way they're doing it. So, so John, Rogers said something interesting on the McAfee show. McAfee was trying to stir up, you know, he likes to stir the pot a little bit. Really? Talk, yeah, he was talking about, you know, he, I think he was basically trying to say, uh, you know, they need to get the ball to Aaron Jones more. He's trying to get Rogers to say that. And Rodgers just said, you know, here's how we get him the ball more. We get him the ball more. Like he wasn't, you know, it wasn't necessarily a shot at anybody. Uh, the problem is they just, you know, they just haven't been able to do that. And like you look at their offense, he's their most dynamic player, right? right. His yards, his yards per carry is really high. When he catches the ball out of the backfield, he usually makes something happen. They just don't have enough attempts. Rodgers also talked about, and you wrote about this after the game, simplifying the offense. You also wrote another story about, like, really what's going wrong here, and there's a multitude of things. That's on ESPN.com right now. But the simplified stuff, was yeah. this a – I mean, you know the Rogers speak. What was he – What were there veiled meanings behind that, or was it as simple as, hey, you need to simplify it? There's always veiled things behind <laughs> what he says. You almost need a, uh, you know, a translator, you know, I, someone who speaks Rogers' language to figure out what he's trying to say. And look – um, you know, he's taken little subtle shots at LaFleur um, this year. I mean, coming out of the London game, he didn't mention LaFleur by name, but he's like, you know, I didn't like some of the messaging 
that was coming out of uh, from coaches and players about the trip to London. Look, and Lafleur made no secret about he didn't really like the trip, and so like you know he's taking little shots there. I don't think this is like you know this isn't Rogers trying to start a mutiny at all. Um, I think it's him realizing that the season could go one way or the other, and he's trying to you know sort of steer it back on course. Um, you know, the interesting thing is, so after the game, he says, we need to simplify the offense. We ask him what that means. He says, well, less motion. Well, the next day LaFleur goes, well, we hardly ran any motion the first couple of series. Uh, and then the next day Rogers comes back and says, well, I was really speaking more that the players need to get a grasp of things. So it's just, it's this, you know, he said, she said cycle, but look, he has never liked motion. Like he had, he made that abundantly clear why not uh, who knows um i think because it probably takes away some of his ability to just stand there let the play clock run down and sort of read what's happening but the whole idea of motion is to create mismatches right and and, and tell you what the defense is doing right. so um they have run a little less motion stats espn stats and info is great with these numbers They've actually run less motion this year than they have the last two years. Um, and, and the first year under LaFleur, they hardly ran any motion. And that was LaFleur trying to basically figure out how they can run the stuff Rogers likes and run the stuff he likes and make it all one thing. So um, my guess is it's mostly about Rogers not liking pre-snap motion. So last thing on the offense, I get to defense for a few minutes, but with the, when you talk about the line, the stunts, the problems they had against that with the Jets, this line does like to run some stunts and some stuff up front. Why were there so many problems with that? Yeah, I mean, those guys will say communication. Um, I still think it's a couple things. It's one, I mean, Elton Jenkins is a really, really good guard, Pro Bowl guard, and he's not playing guard, right? And where where do you need to where do you need stunts inside, right? I mean, like they got beat inside so many times on those stunts. It wasn't twisted around the outside. It was it was inside. Um, Royce Newman, their right guard, they benched him during the game, John. And this guy, Jake Hansen, comes in for one series. They march down the field, get a field goal out of it, and he hurts his bicep, and they have to put Royce Newman, the guy they just benched, back in the game, right? So they had, they had made an in-game benching, which is pretty rare for these guys. Um, so that tells you how severe they thought they needed a change. And then the change they made, they, had, they couldn't stick with it because the guy gets hurt. Um, and, and the other thing, too, like David Bakhtiari said this to me after the game when I asked him about these stunts. He's like, look, what we showed or didn't show that we couldn't handle it, it's blood in the water now. Like, yeah. you know, they're just going to – teams are just going to keep doing it until we show we can figure it out. So you, what you're saying about uh, Washington being a team that likes to do it and then them seeing what the Jets did, I mean, I would fully expect a, a, whatever they have in the playbook in terms of those kind of pass rushes, they're just going to throw it at them. Defensively, Joe Barry – He's, this this fan base knows him well and his defenses and they're struggling and they were there were a lot of like you could see the Packers offense without Adams taking yeah. a, maybe a, a slight step back right yep. yep the defense though what's going on there because that's they struggle they have seven first round picks on defense they have four high priced free agents that they brought in from the outside um, some of them are on second contracts uh, and. They're a mess. Um, you know, in training camp, Rodgers kept saying, well, you know, like you said, we knew the offense was going to be a work in progress. But, hey, this defense is really good. Look what they're doing. The defense won. They won more days in training camp 
you know, than I've ever seen a defense win against Rodgers. Well, it turns out maybe they were winning because the offense stinks even worse than we thought, right? I've seen that. Um, um, Devondre Campbell, um, all-pro linebacker last year, had a great year, not not playing well. He's probably missed more tackles this year than he did all last year combined. Rasul Douglas, who was really the, sort of the star of the secondary last year, um, he had five interceptions from week eight on it. He wasn't even on the team uh, until mid-October. Um, he played so well outside, and this year he's playing in the slot because Jair Alexander is back. Well, it, he's just not a, he's he's not as good in the slot as he is outside. Um, they're playing so much zone, which, as you know, Joe Barry's well, it's probably a different system because when he went out to LA, he kind of got the the Brandon Staley kind of defense. Right. It's so much it's so much zone, and just like the communication has been bad on the offensive line, it's been terrible on defense. Like they're, they're just, you see before the snap, I mean, they're just guys pointing all over the place and no one knows, you know, what's going on. Now last week they did play a lot more man. Um, I'm not sure there was the defense actually played better. I know the score looked a little lopsided, uh, but the defense, you know, they kept them in the game for a while and the offense just couldn't keep up. But look, I mean, Joe Barry, um, you know, we said this when they hired him, you know, his defenses in, in Washington were, what, 28th and 29th, and in Detroit they were 32nd, 31st. And the thing was, well, okay, he didn't have the talent there that he has here. And, look, last year they were good defensively, but they and their number, their rankings were super high. I think they were ninth overall, and they were around, you know, top 12 in pretty much every category. But the one category they weren't was rushing average. Like, teams yeah. were running – at five yards a clip against these guys. And now because the Packers were winning, teams weren't rushing all that much. But when they did, super effective. And now that teams are getting leads on these guys, John, they're able to run the ball and just completely exposing their run defense, which is surprising because they've got some really good players on that defensive line and up the middle. Kenny Clark is, is as good a nose tackle you know, as you'll find. They paid him as such. But it just, it, for whatever reason, it just hasn't translated. And now we've asked, because I'm glad you brought up the run defense, because that this team, obviously, with Heineke going in the game, yeah. they're going to want to run the ball, all that. Last thing with their D, like, what do you what do you remember their thoughts on Heineke was last year? Do you remember, do you recall anything from that one? Because that, like, I'll, like yeah. they only scored 10 points in the game between the 20s, struggled right. in the red zone. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I think everybody remembered about that game was what Heineke did with his feet. Right. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I think he was over 90. He was either at or over 90 yards rushing in that game. And, you know, some huge breakdowns. And look, we saw that from the Packers defense two weeks ago against Daniel Jones. I mean, Daniel Jones of the Giants, he hurt him more with his legs than he did with his arms. There were a couple drives late in that third quarter, fourth quarter against the Giants in London where it looked like they had these guys in third and, and manageable third and eight. And, and Daniel Jones, once there were two times, it was just a straight up quarterback draw on like third and six, you know, like, and you can't stop that. That's trouble. Yep. There you go. Rob, looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Um, and there you go. You got anything you want to plug? Anything that's noteworthy coming up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned my story uh, that's up right now. Yeah. I, I basically took apart the offense from position by position and went through all the reasons that, that they're struggling on offense and, you know, kind of what some of the guys thoughts on, on, on what they need to do and, and how they're, why they're in this position. So, um, you know, check that out. You'll have a pretty good feel for what the Packers issues are on offense.
And for the optimistic Commanders fans, if they're still out there, they can say, hey, there's a chance because the pessimistic ones are going to say, well, this is the week the Packers get healthy. So know this fan base well, Rob. Thanks a lot for coming on. You're the best. You got it, John. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Rob for joining me. And thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back on Friday with my keys to the game and a prediction. I'll talk to you next time.